Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. First thing you got to learn is you don't listen to losers because it's the fastest who gets paid. Fire it up when you're ready. Fire it up. Fire it up. It's a race from here on, no matter what happens. Welcome to Running Hot Action Network's Motorsports Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Giffen, predictive analyst here at Action Network. And joining me, as always, my co-host, Stephen Young of Roto-Grinders, better known as Stevie TPFL. This week, we're talking bets for the Ambetter Health 400 at Atlanta Motor Speedway here on Running Hot. This past Monday, after a rain postponement, William Byron won his first Daytona 500 to kick off the 2024 NASCAR Cup Series season. And here comes Byron. William Byron will win. Byron led a 1-2 Hendrick Motorsports finish with Alex Bowman, his teammate there at Hendrick Motorsports, claiming the runner-up spot. Christopher Bell rounded out the top three in a race that was very interesting. And, of course, this one ending under caution as NASCAR threw the caution just after William Byron crossed the start-finish line on the final laps. We didn't end up seeing a green flag finish. Uh, obviously, some potential that NASCAR could have thrown the yellow flag before the start-finish line to re-rack them up for an overtime finish. Certainly would have been a, a pretty quick call, though. But we've seen them call it that quick in the past. So, Stevie, curious your thoughts on the race, on the caution timing, all the fuel saving the drivers did. You know, there's been some talk about that. Just what were your thoughts on the 2024 Daytona 500? I mean, I think it was fantastic. I think the racing was great throughout the field. We saw very aggressiveness right off the bat, kind of what we talked about on the show last week about needing to get to the front and not being able to sit back. Well, now we have this like new strategy of like, hey, let's sit back a little bit and save fuel and run 50% throttle. And then we'll gain a second or two on pit road. And a second or two on pit road is massive at Daytona and Talladega. So I mean, here we go. Uh, I mean, more strategy when it comes to this race. But I think the racing product was great. I think the caution was thrown at the right time. 
it was like inches away from Austin Cindric's car not whipping back up the racetrack. And if it doesn't whip back up the racetrack, we have a two car accident where they're off the racetrack. And I think it stays green. So, hmm. I mean, you can't really fault them. I want to like really quickly just say like NASCAR has been fantastic in making decisions so far to start the season. The clash, they moved up a day. We saw Arca get moved up a day. They called the 500 super early. I was at the racetrack. There was a ton of people. I would say it was like 80 to 85% full still on a Monday. So I, I think calling it early, letting people make adjustments to their schedule and travel and stuff, they're just making all the right calls to start the season. And I think that we're starting to see that like new age NASCAR with like Ben Kennedy, a younger generation make decisions a little bit better for the fans. And I mean, I think the racing was great. I'm happy for William Byron. We were on him. I wasn't on Bowman. I was on Ross Chastain. And there for a minute, I thought we were going to get that Ross Chastain bet. But I'll take the Byron bet. But glad to see William Byron start right where he finished last season at the top. Yeah, a couple things here. You mentioned NASCAR. They have done a fantastic job this year, whether it's calling that caution. You know, I still would have liked to have seen it quicker, but I I totally am not like, man, they made a bad call there. So totally fine. The calls around postponing or moving things up for the clash, all that stuff much more ahead of time has been fantastic. So big kudos to NASCAR this year as well. And then you mentioned we were on William Byron, Stevie, our victory lane pick this year, three for three, including a 10 to one Denny Hamlin, William Byron at 18 to one. And a Super Bowl, NFL, NASCAR, Daytona 500 crossover prop. We're three for three on Victory Lane, Stevie. So we got to go four for four. What do you think? I like it. And I might be a little biased on the checkered flag. And it was yeah, it was yeah, a really, really good day for me. So I'm happy they called it when they called it. So, so a biased. yeah, I had I had a great day as well. Unfortunately, my bets in the Action Network app did not. And I'm always going to take the case where I'll take the worst case scenario here. I forgot to track William Byron in the Action Network app simply because we do this show and then it records four or five hours later and just straight up forgot. So that's on me. That's an L on my part. But yes, we were on both of us. We're on William Byron and Victory Lane. Our Victory Lane pick, for those of you maybe new to the podcast this year, is our combined pick. That means both Stevie and I are on the Victory Lane pick. And then AJ Allmendinger, top five. Depending on where you bet it, it paid out. And the book that actually had the odds that I gave out on the podcast paid it out as a top five finish before NASCAR revised the scoring to six. So I didn't count that as a win in the Action Network app. That would have given me a plus day as well if I just hit that. And one other bet I made, Tyler Reddick to win, was at a book that ended up voiding the bets because of the rain out. So I still counted that as a loss in the Action Network app as well. So just saying my record was a lot better than what it shows in the app, and I'm willing to totally take that. But yeah, that's how the cookie crumbles sometime. But that's how you got to listen to all the turns. And if I miss tracking something, hey, hit me up on social. Let me know because I definitely don't want to miss tracking out a bet that both Stevie and I gave out on the podcast. A little housekeeping there. We got to talk about Atlanta Motor Speedway, the and Better Health 400 This is already our second race of the year and our second drafting track race of the year. Yes, they use a similar package here at Atlanta as they do at Daytona. But Atlanta, a one and a half mile track that was repaved just a couple years ago. So this will be the third year of racing on this repaved, reconfigured Atlanta Motor Speedway. So while it is a drafting track, Stevie, how is it similar to and how is it different from what we're going to see this past week at Daytona? Well, the pack in general 
is going to stay close like we see at Daytona and Talladega, but we're going to see a lot more single file racing at Atlanta than we do at Daytona and Talladega. So the outside line at Atlanta has just been the dominant line, and it is so much harder to pass the leader at Atlanta than it is at Daytona and Talladega. The push and the momentums when you're running side by side at Daytona and Talladega, it's a lot easier to get that push and like get out in front of the leader. At Atlanta, that top line is so dominant that it's so hard to pass the leader. And we saw Joey Logano just absolutely dominate this race last season because no one could get to his door and pass him. So pit strategy is definitely going to be a factor, not as much as Daytona and Talladega, but you need good pit stops because track position is huge at this racetrack. So I think the biggest thing for me is, yes, it's a drafting track, but still like the pushes are not going to be as crazy as what we see at Daytona and Talladega. And then the other thing that we should talk about is like, it happens so much faster at Atlanta than it does at Talladega and Daytona because the track is a little bit smaller. It's so much faster when just a one car accident can turn into a 10, 15 car like Daytona and Talladega. But, I mean, there's just nowhere to go at Atlanta mm-hmm. where there's, I mean, at Daytona and Talladega. Talladega is huge. Exactly. You can run five and six wide at Talladega. You can't do that at Atlanta. No, you definitely can't do that at Atlanta. You know, you mentioned, you know, there still will be pit strategy. And that's how Corey LaJoy almost won this race one year at Atlanta. You know, we're talking about a guy who's never won anywhere in the Cup Series. He almost won at Atlanta because he took, I think it was either no tires or two tires. Well, everybody took four and stayed out front. And that's the other thing about Atlanta with it being repaved and reconfigured just a couple years ago. It doesn't have the tire wear that it used to be. You know, Atlanta used to be the highest tire wear track on the circuit, even more so than Auto Club Speedway to a degree. And now it's not. Now, I will say from year one to year two, Atlanta aged surprisingly quite a bit. You know, it was a little bumpier the second year than the first year. Now, I don't think the tire wear was very high, but it definitely started to already show some character. So I'm very curious how it'll show up in year three. One other thing, you know, that I want to talk about from Daytona and, and maybe how it applies to Atlanta is the manufacturers. We saw in qualifying, Toyota was relatively slow. They looked great in the duels. I thought they still looked strong in the race. Obviously, you know, teams were kind of playing the fuel savings game, so it was hard to see. But then Ford also looked pretty strong in the Daytona race. But then Chevy won the Daytona 500. So the manufacturers, Stevie, did we learn anything on how they draft or race in their draft from Daytona? Yeah, I think the duels, we saw Ford testing. And we saw them testing how much fuel strategy is going to matter in the race because they kind of dropped back. Like even Logano and his duel Mm kind of dropped back. And then they made a push at the end. So I feel like they were just kind of testing. Speed-wise, in the five actual 500 race, they had a ton of speed. And they were able to push just as well as they were able to push in years past. So I'm not worried about Ford. Toyota pushed better. And it's something that mm-hmm. you know we talked about it potentially being a new thing with the body. And I mean, Chevy, I feel like Chevy's horsepower and the power that they're able to make is still fantastic. Yeah. And so I think... Speedway racing just in general and drafting tracks just in general, we're going to see it very close from here on out. I don't think Toyota's at a disadvantage anymore. I mean, that was one of the things that Atlanta last year, the nose of the Toyota caused a couple wrecks just by pushing. So I think Mm -hmm. that we're going to see, you know, even more aggressive pushing at Atlanta. And I think if anything, we just know that like Toyota's back on that level of Ford and Chevy on these drafting tracks. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was pretty equal between all three manufacturers at Daytona. And that's why I brought it up, right? Like Toyota looked good, Ford looked good, and Chevy looked good. So it's pretty exciting to have all three manufacturers on a relatively level playing field at these super speedways. So that said, how are we handicapping Atlanta? Are we handicapping it the same way we're handicapping a Daytona or a Talladega? Or how is it similar or different in terms of bets for Atlanta? When we go to Daytona and Talladega, I think we have the mindset of realistically anybody can win. And when we go to Atlanta, I don't feel like that's the case. I feel like it still takes a fast race car to win at Atlanta. Because, I mean, to be able to get to the front at Atlanta is so much different than Daytona and Talladega. You know, at Daytona and Talladega, you're drafting so much more and you're pushing so much more and you're 70% throttle. We see loose race cars and handling and stuff matters so much more at Atlanta. I mean, if you don't have a good handling race car, you're going to fall back. So, Coming into this race, it's like, all right, we can still look at some potential long shots, and I don't think anybody is lower than 10 to 1, and I don't think anybody should be lower than 10 to 1. But, I mean, we've had rain-shortened races. We've had big accidents happen where it's shuffled up. Pitch strategy, like you said, LaJoy almost won this race a couple races ago. So in that like thought process, yeah, anybody can win this race. But we look at the winners, right? Byron, Mm -hmm. Elliott, Logano, Byron. Those are three of the best drivers that we have in NASCAR and really strong race teams. So... It's not that mindset of, hey, David Reagan's going to win this week because I just don't have that mindset. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That said, obviously, they can if they have a good car. Corey LaJoy, we talked about, almost did. And Chase Elliott threw a timely block to prevent Corey LaJoy from winning. So, you know, we could be talking a different story had Corey LaJoy won. And so while not everybody can, in a way, everybody can, but you have to have everything line up perfectly. You have to have a good handling car. You have to have the right strategy. You have to have the right push. And that's what it takes for a Corey LaJoy to win or those types of drivers. So certainly they can, but it's a little harder to win at Atlanta than it is at Daytona or Talladega. And again, Atlanta's a mile and a half track. Like you said, handling is going to come into play. So, you know, that's why I call it instead of the super speedway, I call it the pseudo speedway because it kind of races like the super speedway, but then it has a little bit of mile and a half characteristic as well. But that is our Atlanta preview. It is time to dive in some bets. As always, we're going to take you for a lap around Atlanta Motor Speedway. That's four turns, one pick from each of us per turn before we drive in the victory lane for hopefully the fourth time this year. All right, Stevie, time to throw the green flag on the and better health 400. This is Ryan Blaney and we're running hops. All right, Stevie, Turn one, where are we going first? I'm going to go to one of the best drafting drivers in the field, and that's Ryan Blaney at 12-1 to 1 here. He has a 108 driver rating over the four races at Atlanta since the changes. On top of the best driver rating, Blaney has the highest average running position in those races. Again, we want running position. We want guys that are going to be aggressive and that can be up front. He's had the speed to win all four of these races. He's had incidents and track position because of pit road. Their pit road got a lot better towards the end of last season. We need people that are aggressive with blocking, and we need aggressive pushers. Ryan Blaney is one of the most aggressive at both of those. I like Blaney here at 12-1. to I think he's one of the favorites to win this race, and this is one of those super speedway-type races that I'm okay with taking You know, some of the favorites that I think have a chance to win. I agree with that. I just have a hard time picking, you know, do we want Blaney at 12-1? to Do we want... Keslowski, do we want Lagana? Do we want Elliott? Do we want Byron? You know, that's what I have a hard time when all these guys or do we want Hamlin? All these guys are 12, 13 to 1. How are you differentiating them? I guess I'd ask you for as a follow-up on that. This is a half unit bet. I have four half unit bets of 
three favorites and then one victory lane pick that we're going to talk about in a little mm-hmm. while. And one of my other outrights is my next pick. So we'll get into that in a second. But I'm just not spreading out my units and like outrights as much as like Daytona. But I'm mm-hmm. trying to like look at running position and look at who has been aggressive enough to win this race and try to take those favorites. Because, yeah, I mean, Logano, what we saw last year at this racetrack, Logano is easily the I think he's the favorite. And we know how good Hamlin is on super speedways. But I'm looking for those aggressive guys that are up front out of the mess. Yeah, I agree with that. So turn one for Stevie Ryan Blaney at 12 to one to win the race. My turn one pick getting a little funzy bet ish, but I think this is great value. I'm going to go with Josh Williams for a top 10 finish at eight to one. Now, AJ Allmendinger was in the number 16 college racing car at the Daytona 500 this week. It's Josh Williams in that car. And AJ Allmendinger just finished sixth. We talked about that, maybe fifth, depending on the book you bet him at, uh, but officially finished sixth at the Daytona 500. And now Josh Williams is driving the car that finished sixth at the Daytona 500. Also, AJ Allmendinger drove this exact car to a third place finish at Atlanta last year. So eight to one for Josh Williams is just too long. His teammate, Daniel Hamrick, is plus 350 for a top 10 finish, right? Like, that's closer to where I understand Josh Williams hasn't really driven the next-gen car much. To be fair, neither has Daniel Hemrick driven a ton, a handful of races, because, you know, he's been in the Xfinity Series uh, as a full-time driver, and now Daniel Hemrick is back in the Cup Series as full-time. But it's just too long. 8-1 to is too long for a car that can finish inside the top 10 in these races pretty frequently. So, And Josh Williams, honestly, he looked pretty darn good in the clash. He got unlucky in being in that slow qualifying group. He qualified second in his six-car qualifying group right behind Chase Briscoe. But their whole group kind of got a little unlucky with the timing of the track conditions there at the clash. So I just think 8-1 to is too long for a car that can be this competitive at super speedways or pseudo speedways. It was night and day for AJ here last season. The first race at Atlanta, he had one of the lowest quality pass percentages. He was awful. Mm -hmm. And then in the fall race, he had one of the best. Their strategy put him in position both times. So, I mean, we're taking AJ Elmendinger out of the car and we're putting Josh Williams in the car. Strategy is still going to be there. So Mm -hmm. the fact that they were already on the right strategy, and this team has done good with strategy in the past. So I don't mind getting this at value and taking advantage of it. Yeah, so turn one, Stevie's on Ryan Blaney, 12-1 to win. I'm taking Josh Williams for a top 10 finish at plus 800. One turn down, three turns to go. Let's drive into turn two. I'm Denny Hamlin, and this is turn two here on Running Hot. Okay, Stevie, second pick here. You got a uh, another outright for us. Yeah, and the best odds you can find for this one is on our sponsor, BetMGM. So it's 13-1 to for Chase Elliott to win this race. And listen, I dogged Chase Elliott a lot last season, but I I mean, for what we learned at the Daytona 500 is he hasn't missed a beat, and I think he's 100% healthy. And I think that was one thing that towards the end of last season, we just saw Elliott not healthy. And he missed his spring race last year because of the injury. But he has the best average finish in the three races that he has run at the new Atlanta track, second best average running position, and second best driver rating. He's a great passer on this type of track, and he won this race in Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, in 2022 in the fall race. Yeah. Hendrick Motorsports has won three of the four races with the new design at Atlanta, and I, I think this is just one of those things where 
like Blaney, I'm, you know, want a little bit of exposure to these favorites. And I think Chase Elliott is a, a fantastic speedway racer. As much as I like Logano, I leaned Blaney and Elliott to start the week. Yeah. So this is interesting. William Byron won the Daytona 500. Alex Bowman finished second, but Denny Hamlin on his Actions Detrimental podcast talked about how Chase Elliott was actually probably the best Hendrick car in that race at the Daytona 500 and obviously didn't have the same finish to show for it. But if that carries over to Atlanta, Stevie, I really like this pick. I may have to tell you here on 13-1 on Chase Elliott. I'm kind of talking myself into, you know, I do want to bet an outright and I'm kind of talking myself into this 13 number on Chase Elliott. So I'm going to go with Hendrick Motorsports as well in turn two for my pick, but I'm just going to take a head-to-head matchup and take Alex Bowman plus 128 versus Christopher Bell. While it's not Daytona, while it's not Talladega, it's still super speedway drafting style racing to a degree. And even if this was a mile and a half, Alex Bowman's been great at like the Las Vegas's, the Kansas's compared to Christopher Bell. He's been just as good over the past couple years in this next gen car. So now we're adding in the the randomness element of drafting. I think just plus 128 is a little too long. Would I make Christopher Bell favored here? I do believe so. I think I would make him favored, but we're talking pretty thin favorite here because it just of the nature of the racing. So something like plus 105, plus 110 is probably fair for Alex Bowman. So plus 128, just a little bit too long for the style of racing that we have. Yeah, I mean, if if you see two top tier equipment cars and you get a plus 128 number on a speedway race like this, you take it. Throw the names out. Don't look at the names. We're getting a Hendrick Motorsports car against a Joe Gibbs car and you're getting plus 128. That's value to me. So I like this one. I checked. It's not available in Florida. I wish it was and I could tell you, but I do like this one. And I mean, it's just like Daytona and Talladega. When we did this type of number on a speedway race and it's two good equipment cars, you you just take it. I mean, that's value almost every time it's value. Yeah, exactly. And we saw this, you know, I I had a couple head to head matchups throughout the Daytona 500. I had a Anthony Alfredo versus Riley Herbst plus 140 plus 145 in that neighborhood didn't end up working, but only because Alfredo crashed at the end, right? Riley Herbst ended up actually a lap down through much of that race and had Alfredo avoided the big one, he would have won that matchup. So it's just, you know, when you get a nice long plus number on a driver in two drivers in relatively equal equipment, you just take that plus number there, especially when it's that long at plus 128. So two turns down before we go into turn three, I want to remind you running hot is proudly presented by BetMGM. You use bonus code action when signing up to get $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5 for new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, we've gone down the backstretch here. Let's dive into turn three. I'm Austin Dillon, driver of the number three, and this is turn three here on Running Hot. All right, Stevie, two turns down, two turns to go. We're in turn three. It looks like you're heading a different direction. No more outrights, but you're still betting on something to win. What is that? I'm going to go to the winning manufacturer here. This is a bet that we crushed these last year, just mm-hmm. in general. And a lot of those were Toyota. And I felt good where like we got our closing value on Toyota at Daytona. But I like this one a lot. It's Ford plus 180 as the winning manufacturer. Chevy has won three of the four races here that we talked about. 
just a second ago. Joey Logano dominated the spring race here. Ford was the best in the fall race as well. I mean, it was a rain-shortened race that favored Chevy at the end, but without rain, Blaney, Logano, Sindrick, and Busher were four of the top five running position cars in that entire race. They had great pace at Daytona, which we already talked about as well. Really like going back to the well here on Ford, and I think it's just kind of early week you know, uncertainty on getting this at plus 180. And I want to jump on this well before qualifying and practice and all that stuff happens. I guess it's not technically practice. It's like pit road practice, but I I want to jump on this before qualifying because I know something that you're about to talk about in this next part in your turn. And I'm with you 100%. So like you mentioned, we got great closing value on Toyota because they qualified so poorly last week. We got them at three to one. And then after the duels, when they won both the duels and looked really good, all of a sudden they closed at like closer to two to one, I think maybe plus 210, something in that neighborhood. So you're going again for kind of that closing line value here with Ford. And that ties into my turn three pick. I'm going to take three of the four Stuart Haas racing drivers to win the pole position to win qualifying. I'm going to take Noah Gregson at 60 to one, Ryan Priest at 65 to one and Josh Berry at a hundred to one and full credit to Jordan Maccabee of Rotoballer, who is my co-host on my stacking Denny's podcast that I do. He tipped me off to these. I'm tailing him on these. These are great bets. Who won the pole at Daytona? It was a Ford who has qualified so well last year at some of these Ford, specifically Eric Almarola in the 10 car has been really good at qualifying, finishing, you know, inside the top couple rows in qualifying several times in the next gen era at both Daytona and Atlanta and, and, and Talladega, of course, as well. But I'm kind of more referring to Daytona Atlanta because they're a little bit more handily, not quite as big as Talladega. So I just want to take a big team, you know, Stuart Haas racing is still a, a big Ford team. They still have great qualifying runs. Uh, we saw last year, you know, even like Riley Herbst, when he would run in the 51 car, he would get, you know, these, these Stuart Haas setups because he was driving essentially a Stuart Haas car, you know, even though it was technically a Rick Ware entry and he would put it inside the top 10, inside the top five for starting positions. So I'm going to take these Stuart Haas drivers to win the pole Ford look great at Daytona. Chevy did too, and it's certainly Chevy can win the, the pole, but you know, I think 60 to one is just way too long. Stevie, I'm not going conservative here. I'm not betting a tenth of a unit. I'm not betting a quarter unit. I'm betting half a unit on each of these. I want to, you know, I'm willing to risk one and a half units. And if I lose one and a half units, it's not the end of the world. But if I hit it, you know, if I hit Noah Gregson 61 for half a unit, that's plus 30 units right there. Yeah, and the thing about this, too, is like Ford has won the pole at Atlanta and the new Atlanta three out of four times. And Mm -hmm. the first time we were here, Chase Briscoe, a Stuart Haas Ford, won the pole. So this is one of my thought processes on the winning manufacturer being Ford and getting it early is because I do think Ford has a above average chance to win the pole. And I think Toyota is going to be kind of slow in qualifying again. So like, you know, just to kind of like a general thought process, you can wait on some of your Toyota bets. You might get better lines on your Toyota bets until after qualifying, kind of like we did last week. And then the duels, it just kind of got destroyed. But I like this one. And I like how I like how you and Jordan are confident on this one, because I do think Ford has a great chance to get the pull here. Yeah, so kind of funsy bet-ish. Normally, you know, on the funsy bets, I might size down, but I'm not sizing down here. I feel pretty good about these. So that is turn three. Stevie's on Ford winning manufacturer. I'm on three Stuart Haas racing Fords to win the pole. That means we have one turn left, and that is turn four. I'm Connor Daly, and this is turn four here on Running Hot. 
All right, final turn, Stevie. What do you got for us? I'm going to go to Eric Jones' top 10 plus 135. And I do think, like I just said, I think you could potentially wait on this and you might get a little bit better value. But I'm still showing value here at plus 135 for Eric Jones. This is a guy that has the second best average finish in the four races with Atlanta. Now he is going into a Toyota camp that his tier of equipment is just jumping. Like with Chevy, Mm. they were the fourth or fifth Chevy team. With Toyota, they're a tier one team. And this is better equipment. He's the only active driver to finish top 15 in all four Atlanta races. And now we're adding better equipment. He's a great drafting super speedway racer. Not only do I like Eric Jones for a top 10, I like Eric Jones as the top Toyota at seven to one. That's a bet that I put a quarter unit on this morning. And I think that Eric Jones has the potential to be the best Toyota. We're going to talk about a victory lane guy that I think has a good potential too. But I do like Eric Jones as a top 10 here at plus 135. You're never going to get an argument for me on Eric Jones at super speedways. He's always my favorite driver to bet on at drafting tracks and Atlanta, no exception. I mean, he's he's taken the lead in that Legacy Motor Club car before here at Atlanta, and that was before Legacy Motor Club went over to Toyota. So definitely no argument there for me on Eric Jones. I'm going to a different direction here, but a similar situation, I guess, a guy who's getting an upgrade in equipment, and that's Todd Gilliland. You can get him plus 350 for a top 10 finish. I'm considering, I haven't done it yet, I'm considering top forward at 28 to 1 as well, but that might require him to win the race. And in that case, you may almost just want to bet him to win the race. But Todd Gilliland looked really good at Daytona. He didn't get the finish again that he deserved, but that car looked super good. Now, his teammate McDowell had engine issues all day, so tough to say how, you know, as a combined team they look, but Todd Gillen, he always runs well at drafting tracks, but he looked really good at the Daytona 500, led a bunch of laps, and now has that upgrade to Tier 1 equipment, that kind of alliance with Team Penske. So Todd Gilliland plus 350 for a top 10. You know, he's sitting all the way down at the bottom of the odds board outside of a, a couple drivers, right? Like BJ McLeod, Casgrill, and Josh Williams. Aside from those, he's right there at the bottom of the odds board in terms of top 10s. So that's just ridiculous to me. Todd Gilliland at worst should be kind of in the mid-pack range at this point with that upgrade and the way he races these races. All right, well, I'm telling you, I like this one. I, I just, I just, as you were talking, bet this one. I, I like this. Todd Gillen is a very underrated speedway racer. I mean, he's not had the top tier equipment, but when you look at the numbers, he has the potential. McDowell has the potential, and I think Gillen's a little bit more aggressive than McDowell. He's finished top twenty in three straight here at Atlanta. I think with the with the right circumstances and getting, I, I wouldn't even say lucky, but just being in the right place at the right time, I think Gillen has the upside to win the race, and I think that he has definitely upside to finish top 10. Yeah, exactly. So four turns down, only one thing left to do. That's cross the start finish line and drive into victory lane. We are three for three this year in victory lane. We're trying to make it four for four. What's our avenue to that, Stevie? Yeah, victory lane this week. Again, another pick that you know you had on the sheet, and I was like, I bet this one too. And we're like, all right, well, let's roll with it. And that's been successful so far this year. So let's let's keep it going, right? We're gonna go to Bubba Wallace at 22 to 1. You can get this at most books at 20. I still like 20 to 1. I know Bet MGM has it at 20 to 1. It's moving a lot already. I'd bet this one down to about 18 to 1. I think that's where kind of fair value. My model shows 17 to 1, so I'd like yep. to get a little bit of value. But he has a 19.8 average finish in the four races at Atlanta. Stevie, Doc, what are you doing? 
Well, listen, <laughs> throw all that stuff out. He's been very unlucky, and he's gotten into some accidents and some wrecks that weren't even his fault. So I think that when we just look at Bubba on drafting tracks and speedway racing in general, he's one of the most aggressive. We saw how well the Toyotas were able to push. I think mm. Bubba's in a great spot to win this race, and I'm glad that we were able to agree on this victory lane pick. Yeah, I love Bubba Wallace. I mean, that was originally going to be my uh, turn three bet. But then, you know, we needed a victory lane pick. And you're like, well, I'm on Bubba too. So we threw him in the victory lane. I love this bet. I absolutely love it. The Daytona 500, it was kind of hard to tell who was good, who was bad for a lot of that because of all the fuel saving that was going on. But stage three, Bubba Wallace, man, he turned it up. He came to the front. Obviously, in the last pit stop, they didn't get all the fuel in. So he kind of dropped back, which helped him avoid the big one. And then he started pushing his way forward again. If that last lap stays green, Alex Bowman passes William Byron, but right behind him was Christopher Bell and Bubba Wallace. I think they shove Bowman out ahead of Byron, combine to make a move on Bowman, and then Bubba has a chance to make a move on Bell for the Daytona 500 win. I thought he looked really good at Daytona. He's been good at Atlanta. He's had a solid finish at Atlanta where he had a shot to win the race. Didn't work out, but... I love Bubba Wallace at this particular style of racing. I think he looks, you know, Toyota looks good. He looks good. He's confident. Bubba Wallace, 22 to 1, our victory lane pick. And that is going to do it for us. Thank you for listening to the And Better Health 400 episode of Running Hot, Action Network's motorsports betting podcast. We'll be back this time next week as we talk bets for the Pennzoil 400 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. On behalf of my co-host, Stephen Young, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back next week on Running Hot from Action Network. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.